Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, Consolation After Judgment. A look at the prologues of the prophet Isaiah in his prophecy. I want to read a few verses of Scripture with you today. First from Isaiah, the opening chapter, and then from Isaiah chapter 40. And the reason for this is, you see, the book of Isaiah, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, is really divided into two parts. And the first part is chapters 1 through 39, and it occurs in the historical reign of four kings in Judah. And so Isaiah is God's prophet to the people of the northern kingdom, I mean the southern kingdom, called Judah. And Israel has taken, been taken away by Syria under judgment of God because of their rebellious idolatry. And now they are gone. But God's covenant still remains with Judah, and God is still working in Judah. So for another hundred years, this occurs. And Isaiah prophesies during this period of time. And those prophecies are given to us in verses chapters 1 through 39. But the, the book takes a different tone when it turns to chapter 40. Isaiah is still speaking, but it's like a, a hundred years later, after the exile. And now is the perspective that the prophet is speaking. And he's able to speak this because, remember, he receives visions from the Lord and receives direct words from God that will describe what God is promising to bring about in the future through the land of Judah, through the people, through this continuing line of the covenant people, going back to the days of Abraham and to Moses and to David. Well, this is the opening words. And when I say a prologue, it means he's giving you themes. He's giving you the ideas that he's going to expound in the oracles, that is the prophetic statements that he makes based on the visions that he receives or the words that God speaks to him. And he's going to unfold the meaning of the prologue. That happens in Isaiah 1, and then it will be followed by showing indictment and judgment that constantly occurs. And in Isaiah 40, this is post-exile. So we have a pre-exile picture in chapters 1 through 39, and a post-exile picture beginning in chapter 40. But here, let's hear the Word of God. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and then as a secondary uh, translation, I'm going to be reading from the International Standard Version. All right, first is from the ESV. Uh, here is the word as recorded in Isaiah chapter 1. God speaking. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for Yahweh has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they forsaken the Lord, that's Yahweh, and they had despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. 
from the sole of the foot even to the head. There's no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They're not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate. It is overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If Yahweh of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Do you hear the indictments? I want you to listen. What does God say about his people in Judah? And he's speaking to them as a whole. Now, certainly there are some godly people in the nation, such as Isaiah, but there are few and far between. For the most part, this is a description of the citizenry and of their behavior toward the God who has constituted them a nation and toward one another. It's the covenant people. Listen, Yahweh says, you have rebelled against me. You are rebellious children. Although I am your owner, I am your creator, I am the one who formed you and gave you my name. But you seem to have forgotten. You do not understand who you are, and you do not understand who I am. Ah, sinful nation, you're a people laden with iniquity. Now, iniquity is, is evil doing. It's, it's really expressing evil intent. He goes on, you're an offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. You've forsaken Yahweh. You've despised the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, because of this behavior, because of this action that you've done, you are utterly estranged from me. Now, God has in this period of time, throughout the history of Israel, he has sent judgments in the form of sometimes diseases, sometimes natural things, and other times nations that will come against the people, invade them. There will be warfare, and Israel many times will be on the losing end of these things. And God says, why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? He wants us to see in his hand of providence that there can be judgment against the people. In other words, their sin invites judgment. And the judgment comes as a punishment. But God always wants us to respond positively, not negatively to the punishment. He wants us to realize what we've done and return to him, to forsake our rebellion, to quit our iniquity, to remember him, not before, to not to despise him, to remember, not forsake him. Why will you continue to rebel? Why will you be struck down? And then he answers, he answers, this is the reason, is because of the depravity of humanity. Listen at this description. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint from the sole of the foot. Even to the head, there's no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds that are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. You're rotten, sinful, from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet and every part in between. The reason we act in rebellion, 
in iniquity and in sin. The reason we go away from God and forsake him and despise the Holy One and those things that relate to him is because of this sickness, of this sin, of this rebellion and this depravity of a nature that's been cut off from the living God. It's spiritual deadness expressing itself in these evil acts. But God wants people to return to him. Later in this same chapter, he's going to say, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. He's saying, if you return to me, you can be restored. You can receive my forgiveness. But the people do not heed the prophet's message. And so after the time of Isaiah's prophecies come to an end, and there's Jeremiah that comes on the scene, and sometimes there's some overlap between Isaiah and Jeremiah, but later God will take the nation into Babylonian captivity. The judgment will be so severe that Jerusalem will be destroyed and most of the people, at least the cream of the crop, and most of the people will be hauled away in chains and on foot to walk all the way from what we call modern-day Israel to modern-day Iraq. All the way they're taken into exile. And the king of Babylon takes with him the vestments and the holy vessels of the tabernacle and the worship of God. The Jerusalem temple is destroyed. The worship of God's people is rendered null and void because there's no temple, no sacrifice, no priesthood, and the people are taken away to a foreign land that does not know God. And there, under the judgment, the ripe judgment of God that they deserved, they are languishing for 70 years. In Isaiah 40, this is post-exile, after the judgment. But the words may actually be coming to them while they're still there. Because in Isaiah, I'm not sure which were somewhere in the Isaiah 40s or 50s, even Cyrus is mentioned by name by the prophet, who will be God's instrument to restore the people to the land. So after the Babylonians come to Persians, and from the Persians, you see, uh, Cyrus is raised up, and Cyrus becomes the one that allows the people to return to the land. Well, in light of that, this is God's word, Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. Do you hear the tone? Before, in Isaiah 1, the tone is that of, of, of you are right for judgment because look at all this sin and rebellion. They refuse to hear the word of the Lord, to respond to the word of the Lord, to live by the terms of the covenant that God had cut with them. But now, after the punishment has been done and God is going to restore them, this is what he says, comfort my people. So he's asking the prophet to comfort his people, those who will speak the word of God to the people. Comfort, comfort my people. Bring consolation to them. Take your arm around them in my name and speak tenderly 
to Jerusalem and cry out to her this great news, that her warfare, that is her, her hard labor, her compulsory prison term is ended to 70 years, is over. Her iniquity, that is this sinful actions and the sinful heart that has been pardoned. And she's received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. Now, in other words, God has done a complete judgment for the sins and now they're past. And they're open for God's hand to turn from judgment to blessing. And the blessing will be superabundant in accordance to what that judgment had been. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of Yahweh. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. The rough places a plain. And the glory of Yahweh shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of Yahweh has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, this is the prophet, why? What shall I cry? All flesh is grass. All its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Yahweh blows on it. Surely the people of grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, and say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God, behold the sovereign Yahweh comes with might. His arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently leads those that are young. Do you hear the tender, pleading voice of God? God is saying to his people, Though you have received punishment for your sin, and though for a season I turned my back on you, though for a season you fell underneath my heavy hand of judgment, I have never forgotten my covenant with you. I have never forgotten the promises I made to your fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, what I kept alive through Joseph, the words that I gave to Moses and to the children of Israel and the promises that I made to David, the beloved king. I am the God of the covenant. I keep my promises. You are my people and I am your God. I am restoring you. Your punishment is past. Your iniquity is pardoned. Now, you know, there's a difference between serving your term in prison and getting out because you finished your term and receiving a pardon from the governor or a pardon from the president if it's a federal crime. You see, in one, you served your term, it's up and you're free, but all your benefits are not restored. You don't necessarily receive blessing, but you do have freedom again in the sense that you're not in prison. But when you receive a pardon, that restores to you all the benefits of being a citizen. And in God's kingdom, it restores you to all the rightful place of those that belong to God, 
because they're his sons and daughters through his great sovereign grace and acts of redemptive mercy. You've received from God, from God's own hand, all the punishment due your sins. Now, the people have not paid for their sins by this punishment in exile. That awaits God's hand in promise that he made beginning in the Garden of Eden. When he said, the seed of the woman shall come and the seed of the woman shall crush the seed, the head of the serpent. In other words, the salvation that God brings is not a political salvation. It's not just a salvation from the temporal judgments and punishments that may occur in this world. It's salvation from the eternal punishment of separation from God. That's what our depravity and that's what our sins would do if it were not for the intervention of God's great hand of salvation. And that's what he's promising in Isaiah 40. And that's what he unfolds in the second half of the prophecy of Isaiah. This is why he says, cry out, cry out, flesh is perishing, but the word of God endures forever. God's promises are sure and certain because God is the true and the faithful one. And cry out this word, O Zion, share the gospel, the good news. What is the good news? What is the gospel? Lift up this word. It says, Behold your God. Behold, your God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. God is coming to redeem his people. He's coming in the flesh, in the person of Emmanuel. He's coming in Jesus of Nazareth through the womb of the Virgin Mary. He's coming. He is the messenger of the covenant. He is God's appointed agent. He is the son of the living God. He's the savior and the redeemer of God's elect. This is the voice we cry. The good news is that the Lord God comes with might. He comes to bring a people to himself by the sacrifice of himself as the suffering servant. These are the prologues that Isaiah has given us. And as we read the prophecies of Isaiah, he will unfold these truths to us in the first part We will see our sins. We will see God's judgments. And yet even in that, we'll see God's promises, his glimpses of redemption that is to come and of glory that will follow. But when we turn to 40 and what follows, we will find the line of the tribe of Judah is coming into sight. For God will keep his promises and the Lord of the covenant himself will come to redeem a people. Now, this is God's word to Judah, to Jerusalem, but it also stands for God's word for all of his people. Because, you see, even on the individual plane, we can hear these words of God. Because it's our sins, individually, the sinners that put an estrangement between us and God, even when we're his children. 
Sometimes we have to even endure a temporal punishment in order for God to correct us and bring us back into the way. But never forget the prologue that's found in Isaiah 40. God's word to those who repent. God's word to those who will recognize their sin. God's word to those who have learned the lesson. Yes, God, I've strayed. Yes, I've rebelled. But, oh, God, I repent. I turn back to you. Restore me to your favor. Hear the word of the Lord. The warfare is over. Iniquity is pardoned. And you will receive from the hand of a gracious and merciful God a full salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. For God is in the saving business. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights.